I want to share from Philippians chapter 3, this passage that has been uh, just burned and seared into my heart. And I want to entitle this message, Substance. Substance. When I'm talking about substance, I'm not talking about substance abuse. Not talking about that kind of substance. I'm talking about carrying something genuine and real in your heart in 2024. We are not going to live a perfect 2024. If, if you are, raise up your hands. <laughs> Nobody's hand is up because you already know you're, you're not going to be perfect in 2024. And God is not looking for perfection from you in 2024. Um, he is not looking uh, for you to comparatively with others measure up. Because it is unwise to compare yourself with others, right? You can always find somebody better than you. You can always somebody f- find somebody further down the road than you. You can always find somebody that's, that, that you're further along than. And Paul said to compare yourself with yourself, it is not wise. And so you may or may not in your eyes measure up in 2024, but what God wants us to to carry in 2024 is substance, something authentic and something genuine, something authentic and something genuine, authenticity. And when I look at the Apostle Paul, something that I see in his life is authenticity. He carries substance. I want to start by reading Philippians 3, uh, just the first six verses, and then we're going to go on from there, but read it with me in verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. If you... uh, This is all I'm going to say about this verse. If you come to church on Sunday morning and you leave and you don't have any new revelation or new knowledge, uh, can I tell you something? That's okay. Paul said, I'm going to tell you the same things I've already told you again, again. I'm going to tell you again and again. We need to be reminded of the good things of God. Amen? We need to remind, be reminded of grace. We need to be reminded of judgment, of eternity. We, we need to be reminded of forgiveness and, and salvation. We need to be reminded of the things of God over and over and over and over and over again. And Paul said, it's not tedious. It is safe. Hallelujah. Because there are things that you learned years and years and years ago that you've forgotten about and you need to be reminded about in this moment right now uh, to help you in your walk with Christ. Praise the Lord. Verse 2. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, have no confidence in in the flesh. So there were people that were coming along in the church, in this very young church already. There were people that were coming along and stealing their genuine faith in Christ. 
specifically one that Paul wrestled with often, were the Judaizers. These were people that took the simple, free truth of salvation that the Gentiles were experiencing. It was, it was free, it was simple, and they were following God, and they tried to lay on these new Gentile believers all the law of the Old Testament. And Paul wrestled with that over and over and over again as these teachers were raised up that said, yeah, you need Jesus, but you know what else you need? You need the law. you got to follow all these rules. The Bible, friends, is not just a list of rules. We talked about that at men's breakfast yesterday. We can look at the Bible and we can say, well, it tells us what to do and what not to do. It's our list of rules, but it is not primarily that, friends. It is primarily a tool for us to come into relationship with Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. And so these people were coming in and they were in Paul saying, hey, they have confidence in the flesh. They're teaching you to have confidence in the flesh. And then he gives his own credentials. I want to take a moment on this. Though I also might have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I more so. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. And such was Paul. I want to pause a moment right here, and I want to pray over this message because I believe that God wants to speak something to us this morning. Father, give us ears that hear what you are saying to us through your word in this moment. And everybody said, Amen. Paul, his reputation at this point in his life was growing. As a young man, he became the disciple of one Gamaliel, which we read about in the book of Acts. Gamaliel is the one that stood up and said, hey, if, if these men aren't from God, they will fizzle away. But if they are from God, you better not fight them. You will be fighting the hand of God. That was Gamaliel. Paul trained under this incredible man. Uh, this man was Paul's rabbi. At, the, at this point in his life, he was known as Saul. Saul, as a young man under Gamaliel, captured the attention of Israel. He had uh, great favor amongst the national leaders. Um, his his uh, zeal that he carried was astounding, the zeal for God. He did not squelch, try to squelch out Christianity because, uh, because he just didn't like the Christians. He was trying to serve God. And in his zeal, he was doing more than anybody else. And so the more Christianity grew in Jerusalem, the more the Jewish leaders felt threatened and they wanted to stamp it out. And Saul was a valuable commodity. He was willing to put himself on the line to accomplish that task. The first introduction of Saul that we have in the New Testament is, is in Acts chapter 7 and verse 57. Stephen was stoned, and uh, the leaders who stoned him, the Bible says, laid 
their clothes at Saul's feet. Well, what is that all about? Well, they, the, the clothes that they wore, the, the cloak, that, the, the garb that draped over the shoulders was not easy to throw stones in. And it was also a very valuable piece of, of uh, clothing. And they didn't want anybody to steal their clothing while they were laying it on the ground. And so they went to one that they trusted and they laid their clothing at the, at the feet of Saul. It also was representative of Saul blessing this action. Um, and so they trusted him. And trusting a leader was a valuable commodity. And him giving approval to this action, Saul also was defying Rome because it was illegal. You, you know why they didn't crucify Jesus themselves? Because it was illegal to do so under Roman law. If you're going to kill somebody uh, legally, you have to do it with the permission of Rome. But guess what they did not have when they took up stones to stone Stephen? They did not have the, the, the blessing of Rome in this moment. And here is a, 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 a Jewish leader in, in the faith that is willing to bless this stoning without approval from Rome. It was defying. And it, it elevated their esteem for Saul in their sight. They loved this man, Saul. He was a rising star. And he was a nuisance to the, to the church. He was feared by the church. Many of them were afraid of Saul. He was having them arrested and thrown in prison. And it was because of Saul that they began to flee Jerusalem. And really, it, it worked uh, for the believers because they took the message of the gospel. They began to carry the message of the gospel to all the other cities like they were supposed to in the first place. And so it really, it worked like blowing on a dandelion works and getting weeds out of your grass. And, uh, but, but Saul was, was really, he was persecuting Christians. We read that in Acts chapter 9. And it says in verse 1 and 2, let's, let's read this about Saul. Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. They went, he went to the high priest and asked letters from the high priest to, uh, from him to the synagogues of Damascus, that whole region, so that if he found any who were of the way, that's what it was first called, the way, Christianity, whether men or women, he might bring them bound in chains to Jerusalem. And so here he has letters from the highest spiritual authority in all of Israel to arrest Christians. He's got those letters in his saddlebag. Permission to put Christians in chains and drag them to Jerusalem for persecution. This is kind of crazy. Paul, Saul is becoming a hero. And this is the future that Saul had. What kind of future did he have? He had a future of notoriety, he had a future of prosperity. 
He had a future where he, he and his family would be taken care of for the rest of his life if he just continued serving as a spiritual leader of, of the Jewish faith in Israel. But God had another plan. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goats. And Saul knew that when he met Jesus, he had a decision to make. Blindness came over his eyes like scales. He could not see. Nobody else saw the light. Nobody else saw Christ, but they heard his voice. All the people around him heard his voice, and they knew that this was some kind of encounter. And now our leader is blind. And all he could say was, take me into the city. He had papers from the high priest. But now he's encountered one that's higher than the high priest. And God speaks to a man named Ananias about Saul. A little further down in Acts chapter 9, this man Ananias, we haven't known him until now, disciple at Damascus, and God spoke to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered the Lord and said, God, I've, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And in that moment, Saul received the purpose for his life, Ananias went, he prayed over him, the scales fell off, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, he began to speak in tongues for the first time in his life, um, he was gloriously, he was gloriously set in motion, and Ananias prophesied over him, you're God's chosen vessel, Saul, you're God's chosen vessel, and here's what you're chosen for, you're, co you're chosen to carry my name before the Gentiles, unheard of. The gospel had not been preached to Gentiles yet, and you're my chosen vessel. Can you imagine, Saul? You mean I'm going to try to win 
people to the Lord that I have despised my whole life. I've been trained to disregard them my whole life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to win them to the Lord. I'm going to stand before kings. Uh, I, I hate the kings of, of Rome. I hate the, I hate the Herods. I, I, I do not like the people that, lead, that rule and master Israel from Rome. And I'm going to stand before them. The children of Israel. My brothers, well, I can understand that. But then Jesus said this, for I will show him how many things he must suffer. Suffer. In Paul's world suddenly got flipped upside down. We pick it up in Philippians 3 verse 7. And we hear Paul say this, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted as loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And we see that Paul made an exchange. Just like, just like Jesus left heaven above and became one of us, Paul left his reputation Paul left his fame. Paul left everything that he had going for him as a Jewish leader. He left it all. He considered it rubbish that he might gain Christ. That he might know him. That he might know him. And even as, as Cammy said it, before I came up here, Sometimes we think that we've arrived when there's so much more of God to have. See, Paul is writing this letter. We read the account of Ananias. That was at the beginning of his Christian life. He hadn't suffered yet. He hadn't preached one message yet. He hadn't written one letter yet. He hadn't uh, gone on one missionary journey yet. He, when Ananias met Saul, he was at the very beginning of his Christian life. Saul, Jesus is going to show you how much you must suffer for my name's sake. Saul would go on in 2 Corinthians 11, and he would, in a moment of rarity, tell us how much he suffered for Christ. In a moment that he called speaking as a fool, he said, I've been in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. 
from the Jews. Five times I stood before the Jewish leaders whom I once led. I'm paraphrasing. And received 39 lashes. Jesus did once. The cat of nine tails. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent floating in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil. In sleeplessness often. In hunger and thirst. In fastings often. In cold and nakedness. Besides the other things. What comes upon me daily. My deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I don't feel weak. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. <laughs> wow. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And what would all of this suffering produce in Paul? Would it drive him away? Would it make him despise his decision to serve Christ? To make that trade? But in Paul, it did the exact opposite. Friend, Jesus is worth it. And here at the end of his life, he's writing to the Philippians from prison. And he's saying, this is my life's desire that I may gain Christ and be found in him. that I might gain Christ and be found in him. My last scripture this morning, I think, we'll see, is in Acts chapter 19. Because what I want you to see is the substance that Jesus carried. I, th I think about Paul. I I I'll just be honest with you here where I sit. I feel like a kindergartner. I feel like a kindergartner. Just looking at a giant. And I think we should. 
Here we are in our Western world bubble. And there are people in the earth that can really relate with Paul. I don't always feel like one of them. He's a giant. And yet, I want to carry in my heart the same substance. I hope that your eyes are open. In Australia right now, you will be thrown in prison if you preach against homosexuality. You'll be thrown in prison. It's very much that way in Canada. Recently, a ministry that helps people come out of LGBTQ lifestyle right here in Illinois was instructed to change its name so that it it would not suffer, suffer legal issues. This is changing. This is changing quickly. They have every record of everything that I've preached stored on Facebook computers somewhere. They can pull them up at any time they want. There's one that deserves persecution. It's changing. And God's people have to have substance. Right? Substance. Acts chapter 19. And I, I heard our, our youth leader, Chris Stanley, preach a message out of Acts chapter 19 recently. I'm drawing some of this from him. Uh, he's an incredible youth leader in our state, and I'm thankful for our district leaders. Amen? And so um, Acts chapter 19, Luke is the author of the, the book of both Luke and Acts. And in fact, did you know he wrote more of the New Testament than even Paul? Luke has more words than Paul, volume-wise. And Paul wrote more books. So we often, you often hear, well, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. That's not true. Luke wrote more than Paul. And so the account of the Gospel of Luke and the historical book of Acts, uh, aren't you thankful for the book of Acts? Um, and the, and the, the record that, that Luke wrote for us is incredible. Luke was an educated man, and he was incredibly smart, and he wrote uh, certain things. He could not fit everything into his books uh, every every little piece of, of history of the New Testament, but he was very selective, and we uh, listened to him in, in Luke chapter 19. And so the first part, he leads 12 uh, disciples of John to the Lord. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were baptized in water. It's an incredible story. 
Um, and in verse 8, it says this, Paul went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God, but some were hardened and did not believe, spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. The school of Tyrannus uh, was was an important place in the society. In fact, it was their entertainment. Today, we have uh, YouTube, um, and we can open up YouTube, and we can scroll YouTube, and we can listen to whatever we want to listen to. I, I don't think it's very healthy, to be honest with you. But we can go there, and we can listen to whatever we want to listen to. The school of Tyrannus was that in, um, in Ephesus. Ephesus was the fourth largest city of its day, and they would come there from all over to worship uh, the, the, the goddess, um, begins with an A, the what? Not Athena, Artemis, the goddess Artemis. They would, uh, and, and in fact, I've been to there, and I've seen Artemis's statue, and I've seen her temple. It's pretty amazing how Ephesus has been restored um, in the nation of Turkey. And anyway, um, uh, so uh, Paul is there, and he goes to this school, and the school of Tyrannus is a place where people rent out booths. And you could rent a booth in the school of Tyrannus to orate and say whatever you wanted to say. This is what uh, the Greeks spent a lot of their time doing. And so Paul shifted from the synagogue. He started full time. He started making tents, and so that he could he could make money, so that he could rent space in the school of Tyrannus, so that he could orate the gospel to the Gentiles. And it was in this setting that Paul began to win a lot of people to Christ. People began to come from all over to the school of Tyrannus to hear Paul preach the gospel. And the church of Ephesus was one of the strongest churches in the region very quickly. In, in fact, it was having so much effect, not just in Ephesus, but in people coming from hundreds of miles all over, meeting Christ, and then traveling back. And it was having effect all over the region in the, in the gospel going forward. Pretty awesome, isn't it? And so here we see Paul planting the kingdom of God through, his, through, through sweat, through, through hard work, through preaching, through disciple-making. He is working hard in the school. And it continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. I'm believing for that to happen in this region, that, that, that the word of God will spread through this whole region, that uh, everyone will, whether they, whether they bow their knee to him now or not, whether they serve him or not, they will know about Jesus and what he's doing in this region. Hallelujah. And so then it goes on and it says, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons was brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out from them. And uh, I, I just want to pause here a moment. Um, this is not 
a, an approval of a doctrine that says, for $100, we can sell anointed handkerchiefs. That is not what this was. These handkerchiefs were tied around Paul's head while he was working, making tents. They caught his sweat. They were used by Paul. The apron was a leather apron that he wore in tent making so that the objects that he pulled towards himself did not pierce his own skin. These were objects that carried the substance of, of Paul. And these objects were laid upon people and there was so much substance in Paul that these objects, when they were laid on the sick that could not come to where Paul was, they, they found healing in Jesus' name. They were delivered in the name of Jesus. This was unusual. This was not seen by everybody. Paul had a level of substance that I, as a believer, I want to grow into. I want to grow into that. Amen? I want to carry this kind of relationship with Christ that has authenticity and realness and effectiveness. And evil spirits went out of people when these handkerchiefs were touching them. It was powerful. And then Luke shifts the story. And no longer focusing on Paul but talks about some itinerant Jewish exorcists who took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who have evil spirits saying, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And so it seems that as these itinerant Jewish, uh, 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 these Jewish ministers, it seems that they had some effect for a while else they, they, they wouldn't continue to do it. But then there came the seven sons of Sceva who were doing the same thing. Sceva was a Jewish chief priest. And these uh, sons of Sceva did the same thing. Only they did it in their priestly garments. And when they commanded the Spirit to come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. The evil spirit answered them back. It didn't take them long to get wise to what was happening. And the evil spirit answered them back and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Who are you? And the man whom the evil spirit was in leaped upon them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Wow. Wow. Any of you here ever been in a fight? Catherine's been in a fight. Dale's been in a fight. I've been in one. I was in one fight growing up. One. I won. I'll just say that. Some of you grew up fighting. Some of you, that was your lifestyle. But you, were you ever beat so bad that 
you lost your clothing? Jesus, I know. This word, this word is the word gnosko. And it means to have intimate knowledge of. Jesus, I know. You know, the demonic realm has intimate knowledge of Jesus. They know who Jesus is. All of them. They, they were created by Jesus to worship Jesus. And for however long, we don't know how long it was, they did worship Jesus. And then when Lucifer led them astray, they were kicked out of heaven. They knew who the Son of God was. And when he became flesh, they recognized him from ages past in the heavens. They knew who Jesus was. We have intimate knowledge of Jesus. And Paul, um, when, when he says, Paul, I know, um, I lost my place here. Hold on just a second. Paul, I know, this is now, um, this is now not the word gnosko. Um, this, this is good. Oh, hallelujah. This is not the word gnosko. This is the word epistomei. Epistomei. And this word doesn't mean to have intimate knowledge of. This means to have connection with. You see, Paul had connection with Jesus. (laughs) Jesus we know by intimate knowledge, and Paul we know because he is connected with Jesus. You know what they recognized in Paul? Substance. He had something real. But he looked at these sons of Sceva. And they were exposed. You know what's going to happen across Christianity? Preachers that only know how to get up and preach every Sunday but don't have substance, they're going to get exposed. God's going to make sure of it. They're going to get taken down. Those who talk about walking with Jesus and having a relationship with him but have none themselves, they're going to get exposed. Those who preach sacrifice and want everybody else to sacrifice but they don't sacrifice themselves, they're going to get exposed. Substance. And these Jewish exorcists had no substance. When it says they went away naked and bleeding, it doesn't mean that they were stark naked. It means that their Jewish garments, their priestly garments, had been ripped off and tore to shreds because they had no substance. 
And Paul, at the end of his life, having lived all of this, and now in Rome in a prison, is saying, you know what I want for my life? I want to know Christ more. I want to gain him. And I want to be found in him. I want to carry substance. What I'm calling everybody on in 2024 is this. To grow. To grow. 2023 ended. And there was a time we stood just like this, looking ahead into 2023. It's gone. And in a few short moments, it's going to feel like we're going to be at the end of 2024. And I, I got to admit, this is going to be a crazy year. This is an election year. It's already a crazy year. Our nation is going to get tore to pieces. We have never seen anything like what's going to happen this year in our nation. And you know what we need in this hour? We need believers with substance. We need believers, and, and not for political gain, not for any of those things. I'm not preaching that. I'm saying we need believers that know Jesus and are found in him, that I might gain Christ and be found in him. And this is, this is what I'm pursuing in 2024, a deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ. I get excited when I hear testimonies like Cammie and I heard this week of, of a, an individual who had never, had been a Christian a long time but never read the Gospels and is now reading one of the Gospels and is now saying, I am hungry, I'm more hungry for the Word of God than I've ever been in my life. And do you know what that Christian is doing already in 2024? Gaining substance, growing in your walk with Christ, getting to know Him more and more. That's what we're looking for. Friend, this is not a year to stagnate. This is not a year to play spiritual games. This is not a year to just have a laissez-faire attitude. Oh, whatever will be, will be. No, this is a year to lay it all down before the Lord and say, Jesus, here I am. Have your way in me. Jesus, here I am. I give you 2024. Do your work in my life. Amen? And so Paul concludes in Philippians chapter 3, and he said, Therefore, I press forward. I press forward. Hallelujah. He, he considers, he, he says in verse 12, Not that I have already attained all of this, or am already perfected. I'm not perfected. And, and, and friend, if Paul was not perfected, and if Paul hadn't attained, then I guarantee you have not been perfected, and you have not attained. And I know that I have not been perfected, and I have not attained all this. And, and he takes all of this information that he's thinking about. I've, I've, I've sacrificed it all for the kingdom, but it's worth it. And, and therefore, I press on. 
I press on that I might lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. What, what did Christ lay hold of Paul for? To preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to stand before kings, to suffer for his name. That was Paul's calling. I don't know exactly what your calling is. I know in part what my calling is. It's the reason why Jesus saved my soul. And this year in 2024, I'm going to press in to that reason. Why is it that you're saved? Why is it that you're called? Is it just so that you can be blessed and feel good and go through life without any problems? No, it's so that you can fulfill the calling on your life and I'm going to press into it. I'm going to lay hold of it, Paul said, forgetting what is behind. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like preaching this morning. Forgetting what is behind. Some of you have carried word curses your whole life. Something somebody spoke over you. It's in the past, my friend. And that word curse has to come off of you. It has limited you for too long. You have to forget what is behind. Some of you have walked in generational curses. You know what a generational curse is for some of you? The spirit of religion. And you have got to lay that thing down. That thing's behind you. This generational curse, that besetting sin that you just can't get over, that you've carried forever and ever. This is the year for you to, to move forward in the name of Jesus, forgetting what is behind. Hallelujah. Some of you have gotten so settled because it's, it's always been the way that it's always been. We do church one way. We've experienced God this one way my whole life. And you remember the victories of the past. And you're so happy with the victories of your past. You know what they are? They're memories. You know what I did the other day? I scrolled through all my pictures from my camping trips. You know what I do? I comfort myself. in my memories. Some of us do that spiritually. You know, all those memories, they don't compare to the next adventure. I want to go on another one. I'm planning two this summer. Some of us console ourselves with, the, with our Christian history. It's a fine Christian history. There's been some difficult things happen in our own community. I had a 92-year-old man meet me this week and say, Pastor, I remember how it used to be. He's lived in the community all his life, nearly. But you know what he said to me? After describing, he was crying, and he was saying, this is how it used to be when you drove down the main drag. Talked about businesses and flourishing and this and that. And now we have 40 gambling institutions in Lincoln, Illinois. I've, we've watched the last 10 years. 
But with tears, he looked at me and he said, Pastor, will you start a community prayer meeting? Because I believe that the best is yet to come. But we need to pray. I don't know what I'm going to do with that yet. I'm praying into it still. He's not looking back. He's 92 and looking forward. I say praise God for that. I sense the same thing from Gerald and Nancy. Looking forward. Looking forward. How many of you this morning, I preached long today. I meant to have us out 20 minutes ago. I've got another message here I can preach if you want me to. But how many of you would join with me and say, Pastor, in 2024 in my personal life, in our church life, in the life of our state, city, nation, I'm going to press in to all that God has for me. How many of you will say, yeah, that's me. I'm going to embrace the reason why God called me. I feel like Alexander could come and begin to minister on the keyboard. I feel like we just simply for a moment need to lay our lives on the altar. The altar of our heart. And just say, Jesus, here am I. Here am I. Here am I. And you need to seal this up in your heart. In the prayer meetings that I lead in the week on praying 3,000 on the Facebook page, which, by the way, if you're not a part of, and we would love for you to be a part of, I have a mantra that I repeat all the time. Read the word. Pray the word. Live the word. It's not enough that we just hear Paul's desire this morning. Paul wrote it so that the Philippians would live it. And God is asking us this morning, will you press into me? Will you press into me? Will you press into me? Jesus, I want to be a person of substance. Build my life upon the rock. I want to be connected to Jesus in a deeper way. I want at the end of my life, in my life right now, to say, Jesus, there's more of you to have, and I want to run after it with all of my heart. There's more 
for me to do. Jesus, have your way. Jesus, have your way.